0: Pick your friends, pick your nose, but don't pick your friends' Medicare for the Lazy Man Podcast. The podcast that knows tissue is just a sissy word for Kleenex. And now 1960 tetherball champion of Wayne School, it's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We are so happy to have you joining us today. Thank you very much for dropping by. We are uh, here to help you feel comfortable about Medicare, whether you're lazy or not, whether you're a man or a woman. uh, This podcast is designed to help you understand that Medicare is not something to be afraid of. It's probably going to be an improvement in your life, or at least uh, cost-effective health insurance protection or health uh, protection against the possibility of going broke because you need medical treatment. that turns out to be very expensive. Well, that's what Medicare is all about. It's going to pay your medical bills for the most part, but not by itself. It's going to need some help from you. So you're going to have to decide what sort of help you're going to give the Medicare program, but it sounds more complicated than it really is. What you have to do is buy my book you'll know everything you need to know within a very short period of time. It's not a big, heavy book. It's not a long book. It's not a complicated or scary book. It is an easy how-to for people approaching Medicare. The name of the book is, as you might have suspected, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. And if you go to barnesandnoble.com or if you go to amazon.com and put Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 into the search window. You're going to see the many options available, paperback, hardcover, ebook, or Kindle version. And eventually there's going to be the 2023 Audible book. Uh, Amazon people tell me they're working feverishly to get that thing done and shouldn't take more than a couple more months. But you will have that eventually uh, that option to buy the Audible book. If you like listening to this voice. You'll have the opportunity to do that all day and all night. Anyway, the uh, podcast is not only a uh, means of support and a means of, of uh, providing uh, uh, the uh, necessary uh, confidence that people need as they join Medicare, but it's also a way for me to talk to my good friend and spiritual advisor, Randy Carson, uh, periodically. So I think that's what I'm going to do right now. Hello, Randy. How are things with you today?
1: Mr. Jones, it's doing awesomely cool.
0: I'm glad to hear that.
1: I just looked up a bit of information that we were both wondering about before the podcast started. Oh, Uh, the, The flashlight we were looking for is a mag light.
0: You're exactly right. I just thought of it before your mouth said it. And, and I don't know uh, why we can't think of things when we actually need the information. <laughs> but
1: I, I looked up Amazon and I said, "Okay, flashlight." And uh, you know, obviously, there's a million of them, but the one we were thinking about is Maglite, and they are really, really pricey nowadays.
0: Oh boy, what kind of money are you giving for a Maglite? Uh,
1: the three cell, the three D cell version. Uh huh. Thirty-seven bucks.
0: Oh boy, I think I have a 4D cell version because uh, it's really long, and I'm guessing that'd probably be up around 50 bucks by now.
1: Yeah, and I don't, to be honest with you, I don't use a flashlight enough to justify a $4,000 flashlight.
0: Same here, same here. And I was talking about those little cheap Chinese uh, flashlights with the LED bulbs and the C-cells. Those yeah. things pretty much illuminate anything I need to look at. So they're convenient when I'm crawling around underneath a car. If I don't use a trouble lamp, I use one of those little Chinese flashlights, and that is pretty much what I need.
1: Yeah, and you know, oddly enough, have you ever tried, uh, you know, crawl you, you know, crawling around underneath a car? That kind of got me thinking. Have you ever tried one of those headlamps?
0: I have one, but it's um, not something that I think about until I'm already under the car. So, so that's it's a problem. That's a it's problem. Inconvenient. Because- <laughs> <laughs> it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient in that regard.
1: That's really a problem because if you're under the car, uh, then you think about it, then you're going, "Oh well, I can't. I, I'm not going to crawl out to get that now. I'm just going to work in the dark."
0: It'd be nice if I had a friend to follow me around and get things that I've forgotten. It would be so convenient. I thought that's what what was going to happen when I got married. I thought now I have a yeah. built-in buddy. To follow me around and just do the things that I've forgotten, or get the things and hand them to me that I've like, hand me tools and stuff. Yeah, that's
1: how I learned. That's how I learned the tools. My dad would be working on one of our, uh, some of our equipment. Hand me that crescent wrench. I knew exactly what he was talking about. Hand, hand me that box end wrench. You know, hand me. I knew it all. And uh, I'm my wife, you know, and I'm not crowing on women because they don't have an opportunity to learn some of those things. But the only thing my wife knows uh-huh. is a screwdriver or now her family. I don't know where they got this name, but I always called them needle nose pliers. Sure. Okay. Well, in her family, it took me five years to figure out that they called them Peaked nose pliers.
0: Okay, that's pretty wacky. That is certainly nothing I would ever have thought was. I mean, I wouldn't, if somebody said that to me, I wouldn't know what the heck they were talking about.
1: Well, I didn't for five years, so my wife thought I was just dumber than a brick.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. It is, uh, uh, it's a learning process, and if you're right, if she doesn't have the opportunity to learn, then she's not going to learn it the same way you have learned it. But I, as I said, I was I had a, an unrealistic view of what marriage was all about. I thought marriage meant that I had a built-in buddy to follow me around and help me with the things I forgot or to go over across the room and get something that I needed that it was inconvenient for me to get. And I was uh, disabused of that notion. You, you were early, really early.
1: disappointed. That's, that's what children are for. You say, hey, little Billy, go go get me a, oh, give me that eight-inch box-end wrench. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's that, Dad? Oh, well, <laughs> it's this one here, and don't you ever forget it, because the next time I expect you to know it
0: well that was actually what i used uh, i used my younger siblings for tv remote control operations that was that was the most important thing turn the channel to five of course they didn't know what five was so now keep yeah. going oh you went too yeah. far go back
1: yeah. yeah turn it
0: up while you're there turn it up
1: don't move the rabbit ears are working just perfectly now just stand there will you sammy
0: yeah oh boy oh boy hey we probably ought to talk about a little medicare stuff today what do you think
1: yeah we should we should i'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, you know mute myself so i can listen to the medicare stuff here all right because i think i see something on the i see something on the schedule here that i am really looking forward to
0: well during the time that you were out getting more coffee i actually added a couple of things to the schedule that aren't there so which is the item that you like
1: the arps billion dollar bounty
0: Okay. I'm going to pencil that in as a uh, a uh, podcast episode piece of content for today. But the first thing I'm going to uh, tell the audience is that as we're recording this, which is uh, middle of January of 2023, it is finally being announced by government people or by somebody out there. And I haven't I've only seen the headlines. I don't know what the story is yet. But apparently, hospitals are finally coming clean about the number of COVID deaths. Now, I know that Randy and Margaret both got COVID in uh, early well, Margaret got hers late in 2020, and Randy got his early in 2021, and they both had one heck of a time. But they eventually came back, and they're healthy as horses now. But many people were uh, who had deaths unrelated to COVID, uh, the hospitals lied about their cause of death. And it's now coming to surface that uh, those of us who were very skeptical of this whole COVID thing are being vindicated. Um, I know for a fact that COVID was really tough on older people, and I think I would put Randy and Margaret and I in that category, but uh, it was uh, very uh, less than than uh, tough on people that were younger. Kids, no no kids got COVID and, and had any sort of uh, long-lasting problems. Middle-aged people without COVID, um, Co-related or co-co, uh, um, God, what's the term for that? It's uh, without other uh, medical problems like diabetes and so forth. Those people uh, would go through COVID and come out the other side without any huge problems. This disease is harder on people who are older. And the older you are, the worse it would treat you. And so now we're finding out that there was a lot of lying involved in the government shutting down our uh, economy. Shutting down our schools, robbing children of the opportunity to uh, develop normally, and robbing business people of the opportunity to earn a living, and robbing uh, employees of small businesses of the opportunity to earn their livings. It's uh, incredible to me how these people were able to get away with all this lying uh, that they did to uh, increase the scare factor Of COVID or coronavirus or Wuhan flu. So that's breaking right now. I'm hoping that we'll have more details as time goes by. Another thing, I just got an email from a client of mine, and I want to share with you what she said, because it's kind of important, a little on the frustrating side. But this episode, uh, this last episode we had, we talked about drug plan selection, how to select the drug plan that's going to be the least costly out-of-pocket for you as a client. Now, here is a client who uh, crossed over from uh, 2022 to 2023, and she says, Hi, Doug, I hope you had a good holiday. Not sure if you can help me. I noticed that my premium for my prescription drug plan went up to $10 more a month, which is a lot, especially since my prescriptions cost me so little even without the insurance. Who do I call about this? If this is the premium going forward, I need a different policy. A jump like that is too much. If you can direct me as to who I can call, I'd appreciate that. Wasn't sure if the customer service number on my card would be the people I should contact. Thank you very much. And her name is Nancy. And I have to break the news to Nancy later on today that the window of opportunity to select a new drug plan has passed us by and uh, the government will prevent her from getting a new less expensive drug plan because she didn't do it during the what they call open enrollment or the aep the annual election period now that starts on october 15th of each year and ends on december 7th of each year so had she told me during that period of time That she was going to get an increase in her drug plan premium starting January 1st. I would have said, let's take your drugs, your preferred pharmacies, and your location, plug them into the uh, employer or the medicare.gov website and see what the best plan for you going forward will be. I have done many, many things to try to help people do this on their own. And some people either miss my efforts. Uh, They don't they don't understand that that's what I'm doing. Like in the book, I've got a whole chapter explaining how you can select your own least expensive drug plan out of all the drug plans that are available in your area. I forget which chapter it is, maybe chapter 11, but it's a step by step thing that allows you to go to the government website, use their database to pick out the cheapest drug plan for you. Well, these drug plans are just like Medicare Advantage plans. You'll sign yourself in for a drug plan that starts January 1st, and then you're stuck with it all year long. Meanwhile, these guys that have these drug plans can change the rules in the middle of the uh, year. They can drop drugs from their formulary. They can increase their Uh, prices. Mostly, they make these changes to be effective the following January 1st. And then what they're forced to do is they're forced to send a document called ANOC, A-N-O-C, Annual Notice of Change, so that uh, they will list all of the things that they're going to change. Let's say the monthly premium is going to go from $5 to $100. So that's pretty excessive. But I've had companies that have gone from $20 to $55 and they don't want to tell anybody. So they bury it in this annual notice of change. But when you get a document in the fall from your uh, drug plan, your prescription drug plan, and it says, this is your annual notice of change. It's very good to read that thing to see if there are any landmines that are going to make your drug plan totally different in the following year than the plan you thought you were buying. Drug plans will not stay the same for life. It's the big complaint that a lot of people have with Medicare Advantage plans. They will change from one year to the next, and you can't do a thing about it until annual enrollment or annual election period in the fall, and that's the only time that you can change. Uh, Of course, with Medicare Advantage plans, it got to be almost a criminal activity, which is why I don't sell Medicare Advantage plans. So they added another Time the first three months of the uh, following year, you can change once. It's not like an unlimited amount of changes, but you can change once if you accidentally screwed up during open enrollment and forgot to change. So look at your annual notice of change or call me your agent, and I will find you the least expensive prescription drug plan available in your area for the following year. And somehow Nancy's um, level of service from me either was wanting or she never told me that she wanted to look at it. She didn't look at her annual notice of change because it was a boring legal document that confused her or she did not want to plow through it all. One reason or another, there is – a change that occurred in her drug plan that she shouldn't have to suffer from, but it's the way the process was set up. Unfortunately, she's going to be stuck with that plan for the balance of this year. So then, Randy, before he ran away, uh, mentioned that he wanted to hear about Arp's billion-dollar bounty, and I thought, you know, that's not a that's not a bad idea. So this was uh, an article that was published last June of 2022. So it starts out in September, ARP, the giant organization for older Americans, agreed to promote a burgeoning chain of medical clinics called Oak Street Help, which has opened more than 100 primary care outlets in nearly two dozen states. The deal gave Oak Street exclusive rights to use the trusted ARP brand in its marketing, for which the company pays ARP an undisclosed fee. ARP doesn't detail how this business relationship works or how companies are vetted to determine if they are worthy of the group's coveted seal of approval, but its financial reports to the IRS show that ARP collects a total of about $1 billion annually in these fees, mostly from healthcare related businesses which are eager to sell their wares to the group's nearly 38 million dues-paying members. One of those members, I might say, by the way, is my father who's been pushing up daisies since 1987. But ARP still considers him a member in good standing for some reason. Anyway, a paid ARP partnership comes with a lot. ARP promotes its partners in mailings and on its website, and uh, the partners can use the familiar ARP logo for advertisements in magazines, online, or on television. ARP calls the payments royalties. ARP's 2020 financial statement, the latest available, reports just over $1 billion in royalties. That's more than three times what it collected in member dues, just over $300 million, according to the report. Of the royalties, $752 million were from unnamed health products and services. But controversy has long dogged these uh, sorts of alliances, which have multiplied over the years, and the latest is no exception. Are the chosen partners actually a good choice for ARPs members, or are they buying endorsement of one of the con- uh, the country's most respected organizations with lavish payments? By the way, uh, just uh, so everybody knows, I don't respect them. This article calls them one of the country's most respected organizations. Uh, they get no respect from me. I don't have a problem with ARP. Uh, this is going back to the article. I don't have a problem with ARP endorsing travel packages said a health policy analyst. Uh, But when ARP lobbies on Medicare issues while profiting off of partnerships with those who are marketing to the Medicare patients, that certainly is a problem. There are reasons for concern about the latest partnership. Less than two months after announcing the ARP deal, Oak Street revealed it was the subject of a Justice Department civil investigation into its marketing tactics, including whether it violated federal law that imposes penalties for filing false claims for payment to the government. Oak Street has denied wrongdoing and says it's cooperating with the investigation. Ooh boy, this is one of the articles that got chocolate milk spilled on it. That was a, a month or so ago I spilled a whole glass of chocolate milk and much of my paper turned into parchment. Anyway, companies like Oak Street, whose founders have included private equity investors, have alarmed progressive Democrats, read lefties. And some health policy analysts who worry that the companies may try to squeeze excessive profits from Medicare with the services they market, mainly to people 65 or older. Oak Street hopes it can cut costs by keeping patients healthy and in the process turn a profit, though it has yet to show that it can do so. ARP has stood for decades as the dominant voice for older Americans, although people of any age can join if kids can join, then what the hell is ARP doing? People of any age can join? That's crazy. Members pay $16 a year or less. I can tell you that my father pays much less than that because he's been dead for 40 years. Anyway, they enjoy discounts on hundreds of items from cell phones to groceries to hotels. ARP also staffs a busy lobbying shop that influences government policy on a plethora of issues that affect older people, including the future and solvency of Medicare. Perhaps not as well-known, ARP depends on royalty income to help serve the needs of those 50-plus through education, programs, and advocacy. Since our founding, ARP has engaged in the private sector to help advance our nonprofit social mission, including licensing our brand to vetted companies that are meeting the needs of people as they age. For years, ARP has drawn intermittent scrutiny for its longtime partnership with United Healthcare, which uses the ARP seal of approval to market products that fill gaps in traditional Medicare program, gaps filled by private insurers. The arrangement has brought in hundreds of millions of dollars in annual royalties according to court records. Uh, This guy said that ARP advocates for policies that are in the best interests of seniors without regard to how it may impact revenue or any licensing agreement, he says. This must be an ARP representative saying this. Uh, ARP has taken many strong stands against the insurance industry, citing opposition in 2017 to proposed legislation that ARP said could have hiked seniors' premiums by as much as $3,000 a year. Yeah, that sounds like a bunch of horse hockey to me. Uh, Another guy who left Arp in 2011 after more than two decades as its policy chief says business interests were never a consideration in those decisions. I can absolutely say that was never the case. We have we separated those operations. Uh, I smell a rat there, but that allegiance or that alliance raises alarms among critics who see conflict of interest that undermines. Uh, The group's credibility to speak for all seniors on critical Medicare policy. I know that ARP has chosen to support um, political action that is directly contrary to what is the best in the best interest of uh, older people and Medicare participants. And I know for a fact that ARP is looking out for ARP's bottom line number one and that anything else is a secondary consideration. So this article uh, goes on and on and on, but it's basically, you've heard the crux of the thing, which is that ARP is a cash cow uh, for those who want to pay it millions and millions, maybe up to a billion dollars in royalties, what they call royalties. And uh, they form this partnership. It's like holding hands with the devil, as far as I'm concerned. And I would not... uh, let one penny of my revenue or my income go to ARP if I could avoid it. I'm not a member. I'm not happy with them. My uh, my goal in life is to make sure that ARP goes down in flames and that AMAC A M A C uh, rises from the uh, from the flames or from the ashes like a phoenix and takes over. That is a more conservative. Um, special interest uh, group for older Americans that are more conservative. And AMAC, I think, is the place that uh, people's dues money ought to be spent uh, because it offers much more freedom and uh, the kind of thing that uh, ARP doesn't seem to offer. So that's uh, my editorial stance on this position, on this uh, subject. Uh, Randy, I see the crickets not only have chirped several times, but (laughs) I'm trying to – Gracefully get out of this uh, political uh, posture I've taken, and I'm having trouble doing it. So maybe you should interrupt me now. Well,
1: you know something, Doug, I agree with every word you said there. So uh, let me go ahead and uh, gracefully sign us out of this particular episode today. But before I do, there's a couple things I need to, you know, ask people to do, and certainly thank them for joining us because. You could have been a hundred different places and you weren't you were here spending a little bit of time with us on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A couple of things I always like to mention before we sign off. For for whatever reason, it, it becomes a little bit cloudy sometimes that Doug really is a nationwide licensed agent. So you can send him an email at DBJ at mlmmailbag.com on just about any topic you want to insurance related and Doug has got the experience the knowledge and the know-how to answer that question legitimately which uh hmm, maybe some other people don't so you can also do that send him an email he just likes to you know hear from you too you can actually you can submit a request for a you know not you know what, what do we call that a quote? We call that, uh, yeah, exactly right. What would it cost it, me? Quote, yep. What, would, what What's this going to cost me? And you can do that at Medicare for the lazy man.com website. But before we sign off, you know, find some place to give us a rating. We would very, we would very much appreciate a five-star rating, but four would be good too. And we are always in the midst of rating wars in the podcast business. So we would really appreciate that. But in the meantime, you have just today spent 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma City. There you go. No more. No more. He's living in Cave Creek, Arizona, up above the high thin air at 16,000 feet in his fortress of solitude.
0: Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us.